Well, here we are, Christmas Eve in a global pandemic. This is what it looks like. Um, and it seems like just yesterday we had this idea, like, you know, two-week shutdown, and then we get back together for Easter. We're going to have a big Easter service to celebrate that we had, this thing had just passed over us. Uh, nope, that didn't happen. Um, I remember agonizing with Heidi Rask about, you know, should we cancel VBS this summer? Because we were picturing all the children of the Merrimack Valley hand in hand, frolicking through the streets of our towns, and we would be the only place closed down, and, and, uh, but we made the difficult decision to cancel. That was in the summer, and now here we are in December. My goodness, uh, it goes on and on, and, and you know, I, everybody I've talked to is making at least some adjustments to their uh, Christmas celebration this year, um, if not just wholesale changes in, in travel and who you're going to be with and that sort of thing. So a lot of changes. I mean, I think we all feel like, yeah, I wish we could just kind of go back to the way it was before. Uh, maybe a little simpler, um, not so challenging. It's amazing how quickly life can, can change on us like this, and especially as this drags on. So I think tonight as we consider this text that was read for us and we consider Mary, uh, we can sympathize because all at once, here we have God sends an angel to this young woman. And her life is radically changed. And you, we can almost imagine her saying, you know, actually, maybe could we rewind this to before you said these things to me? Could we kind of have it the way it was where I was just going to get married and you know, start my family kind of the normal way? And um, <clears throat> we're going to think about this because I think we can sympathize with Mary tonight. Um, we, if, if you've been tracking with the church, we've taken the whole season of Advent, and we've been looking at what we call the mothers of Jesus. This is the five women who are mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. And it's sort of Jesus's family tree. And these, uh, these five stand out because they're the only women who are mentioned. But they also stand out because these stories are not cute. They're not sentimental. They're not beautiful stories of Jesus's family. They are uh, messy and some of them are kind of morally ambiguous and difficult. And we've been sort of looking through these. And tonight we come to um, Mary's story. And she's the one we can most easily sentimentalize. You know, the, the mother holding the child in the makeshift bed with the straw. It's very cute. And, and you say, "Ah, You know, we did that earlier. But we're not going to do that anymore because we're going to try to look at this uh, more realistically and um, I, I think we need that sometimes, to break from the sentimentalism. Or I'll put it this way. I see four categories of people. You, you probably fit one of these categories. The first is sentimental people who, on a night like Christmas Eve, you just want to recapture something from the past, something innocent and pure, and just kind of, you want to feel that and go there. Whatever that innocence was. Uh, that would feel good to you. The second category is traditionalists. These are folks who just want to do the same routine, the repetition of old patterns. And through you know, doing the same thing we've, the way we've done it, you feel regrounded, especially when things are chaotic. You want to just do the tradition. That's reassuring to you. The third group of people, maybe you fit, those are your aesthetics. Those are those who get caught up in the beauty of a night like tonight, the, the lights or the, the music or even the architecture of a beautiful building like this, you kind of escape into the beauty of what's going on around you. 
The fourth category are the intoxicated. You started drinking at lunch or dinner, and now, you know, holidays for you, you know, eat, eat and drink and just be merry, and that's kind of your way. But all four of those categories, whichever one you tend to fit in, are all ways of escaping reality. They're all ways of kind of distancing ourselves from unpleasant reality that we might face on any given day, especially at a, you know, at a holiday. And I get it. I get it. I mean, when we see news that's troubling to us and we hear things that are difficult, you know, we want to see something beautiful. We want to escape to a better memory of the past. You know, when things are always having to change and pivot and do all these things. Yeah, I'd love just tradition. I'd love just normal and repeated action. Um, I, I get why we want to have a little distance from reality. But if you've come here with any of those postures, particularly the first three, I want to take them from you. I, I, I don't want to go there. And, and in some ways, I feel like I'm stealing something from you. But this year, there's like such a little thread of that left anyway. I don't feel like I've done anything too terrible. Um, that not to get caught up in tradition or sentimentality or even the beauty but to look at Mary as an example for us, because she enters, this becomes a messy moment for her, and she, she comes out of it trusting God's will. And so I want to look at her in this. And um, right away, when we, we consider Mary, two things that are amazing. One is she's amazingly exceptional, that God called her to this incredible task of carrying and bearing the Christ, the Messiah, that she was to give birth to the Messiah. In her calling, she is so far uh, beyond us. It is such an amazing uh, calling that it's hard to relate to her. It's hard to compare. Uh, On the other hand, she's amazingly ordinary. Teenage girl, hasn't really accomplished much in life, hasn't married, hasn't started her family yet. She's from a nothing of a town. Nazareth is really not a place to be from. And she's just sort of an ordinary, ordinary person. And, and we see that God, time and again, back then and even today, that God uses very ordinary people to do amazing things. And that's good news for us. What she becomes for us is just a great example of what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus, embracing Jesus So we should consider her as a great woman. Not great because she carried the Christ child, but great because she heard God's word, she believed it, and she obeyed it. And any one of us can hear God's word, believe it, and obey it, and experience God in faith. So we need to ask, how did she get there? How did she display such great faith? Because you hear, as this was read to us, she had her doubts. She had her moment of fear and trepidation and uncertainty about what was going on. Um, and again, fair enough to Mary. I think if an angel came to any one of us tonight and said that you were going to be pregnant with child, you know, I think, well, at least half of us would, that would be astonishing for any, a number of reasons. And then probably 90% of us in the room would, would say that's uh, perhaps not possible, and we would have our doubts to God. So we, we get that, but Mary doesn't just simply reach inside of herself and find this faith. that This angel is communicating truth about what's happening and truth about God, 
that Mary is clinging to. And three things I want to point out from the angel, from the angel Gabriel. The first is one of the very first things he says to her is that the Lord is with you. And what that reminds us is that it is God's desire to be with his people. That is the posture of the God of the universe towards his creation. He desires to be with us. And we, see, we hear this phrase again and again in Scripture. I will be your God and you will be my people. There's a connection and a relationship and a guiding that God desires for his people. Again and again we hear the phrase, Do not fear for I am with you, declares the Lord. That when we have fears and trepidation, we remember that God is near us and that's his desire and it is good. And we can live life two ways. We can live life with God as he desires or we can live, live life apart from God, distant from him. But we want to be connected to God. People, when I talk to people about the Bible, many people, one of their favorite passages of scripture is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. It might be on your top list too. And why is that so precious? Because it's an image of a God who guides his people to good places. It's an image of a God who is with his people even in the darkest valley, even at death, that God is with us. Even in the presence of enemies, God desires to be with us and guide us. This is one of the most important concepts that you could grasp. Jesus made it so clear to his followers. One of the last things he said to them was surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God desires to be very near his people. And the angel reminds Mary that. The second thing is that the angel says that God is bringing salvation. We see this when Gabriel says, the the child that you're going to have, you're going to name him Jesus. The name Jesus means the Lord is salvation. That this child is bringing salvation. The angel also says this is... Uh, The child will be known as the Son of the Most High. This is the Son of God. This is God in the flesh who has come to earth. That means that that cute little ah baby in the manger is the God of the universe. And we can't just look at him sentimentally. And we can't then look at Jesus as he grew and taught as nice teaching or good philosophy. This is the God of the universe walking around, explaining to his creation what his kingdom is all about who he is, saying, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We can't just look at that and say, that's nice and good. We have to submit to it. This is the creator God. So therefore, Jesus is higher than anything as he comes to save. But also, we see that Jesus is lower than any other. Think of any other religion or concept of God or philosophy. Here we have the God of the universe makes himself so weak and so fragile, taking on the human condition. But he had to. He had to become human. He had to become weak. He had to become killable and even die because he came to stand in our place. He had to take on the human condition to live the life that we could never live. He came in human condition to die a death that we deserve to die, and he rose victorious from the grave. And through that exchange where he does that in our place, by faith we receive that, we receive new life. We receive forgiveness of sins. We receive eternal life in him because he gives his life for us. So he came great as God but humble as a a human and and he did that to, to bring salvation. And here Mary's reminded that 
God desires to be with you. God is bringing his salvation. And thirdly, the angel reminds her that no word from God will ever fail. That it is impossible for God to fail. That's why the angel reminds her that this child will uh, be the king in, in the line of David and will rule over uh, the house of Jacob. This is, uh, this is the one who was long promised for hundreds of years. This is God's promises being fulfilled in this child. That every promise of God comes fulfilled. Maybe not in the timing that we would like. Maybe not in the way that we think it should. But it perfectly gets fulfilled and God will never fail. And when Mary hears these things, that God is with her, that God is bringing salvation, that God will not fail, she then says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to, be, may your word to me be fulfilled. She moves beyond her fears, beyond her trepidations, and she by faith accepts God's will for her life. So then how can we also embrace and accept God's will for our lives? Because typically, from my experience, God doesn't send an angel to sign you up for his purposes. And, and people, people say, well, yeah, I mean, if God sent me an angel, of course I would believe. Of course I would follow that. You know, would you, though? I mean, look at what this angel is telling her. He's telling her that she's going to become pregnant. She would have to know. She would, when, when, I mean, when you hear you're pregnant, there's... Though you go through all the things in your mind. She knows she's not married. She knows how she will be viewed in her culture, being pregnant. She knows how the child will be viewed as illegitimate. And sure enough, that comes to pass. And when Jesus grew up, there was all kinds of speculation and um, you know, talk about you know, who he was and where he had come from, his you know, illegitimate past. You know, the angel is asking something pretty amazing and astounding. Here. So we think about, you know, how would I embrace God's will? I mean, God's will is the safest place to be. It's, it's very safe in the sense that God is with you, that He's unfolding His salvation, and that He is um, that he, he can't fail. But it's also a very dangerous place because He could ask anything of you. This is the God who came from heaven to earth, who uh, lived His life and who suffered and died. That anything he would ask you to do, he's already done. He, he went before. Any suffering or illness or even death that you would have to face, he's already done. He can ask anything of you. And in that sense, it's actually a dangerous place to be. So maybe we just have the, our fears and our doubts and we don't have all the answers, but we need to remember the same exact things that Mary needed to know, that God will never leave you. He is with you. That God is saving you. That is his, his desire and that he will not fail. He can't fail and nothing is impossible for God. And we just simply get to that point and we say, I don't have all the answers. I don't think I even understand this completely. But I'm the Lord's servant. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes. And I'm going to believe. So my question to you tonight that I want to leave you with is what is God calling you to say yes to in your life? What important thing is God nudging you or showing you and you need to say, yes, I have fears, I have trepidations about this, I don't have all the answers, but yes, I will trust 
God's plan in this. I'm going to pray later, and as I pray, you might just pray yes to God in that. Maybe tonight you're not ready for that, and that's understandable. Um, your one practical suggestion is maybe you need to talk to someone else about it or work with other people to understand what God is calling you to. Uh, God doesn't just leave us alone. It's not just us and the angels and God. We have each other. Even in this account, Mary has her relative Elizabeth, and the angel reminds her, hey, Elizabeth is going through some stuff too. God's making promises to her, and then they're, they're able to get together and to celebrate together and to have this a common experience together, Mary and Elizabeth. And we do that as a church. We, we gather together. One practical way to do that is through one of our small groups. This year, we've actually seen a, a great increase in participation in these groups um, because a lot of them are meeting online, so it's pretty simple to, to join up and check them out and and meet with other people, but that's sometimes helpful in the process of understanding what God is calling us to, is to be with others and to pray with others about that. But maybe tonight your, your step of faith is really a first step of faith. Maybe you've never felt like you've had a moment where you've said yes to God about anything. Maybe tonight you say, you know what, I, I don't have all the answers, but I do believe that Jesus came, and I, I do believe that he can save me, and I, I do believe that God cannot fail, and I, I just embrace this by faith, and I say yes to God, and I receive that. You can't earn it. Mary, Mary didn't earn this um, opportunity. It's just God's grace. It's just remembering who God is and how great he is, and we, just, we sit here today and say, you know what? I'm not going to push it aside anymore. I'm not going to put it off. I'm going to say yes to God. I want to experience him. I want to experience this by faith. Let us pray. Father God, you are good. And for whatever you are prompting in the hearts of, of us sitting here, we say yes. We trust you. Lord, for those who have never sort of made that profession of faith, I just, I pray with them. I say, yes, Lord, I, I receive your grace tonight. I receive what Jesus did when he came and when he lived and when he died. And I, I receive the forgiveness and the life that comes from that, Lord. And I trust that your plan won't fail. And I pray that you just bring it about your good work of salvation in me, Lord. Father, guide me. Father, show me your will and help me to trust you more and more. We give you the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.